Well, for a moment, I thought they'd put in the wrong CD. I thought, that's George Strait's greatest hits coming on. And it's all right to listen to George Strait. It's not what goes in the man that defiles the man. It's what comes out. Amen. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of that 7-Eleven music they call Christian music isn't. I like the old traditional. But I can live with that. Turn your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. All right. Beginning with verse 27. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out. For who, is no, who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been, in, been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you, and we just thank you for this time you've given us to assemble to worship you today. Thank you for each one gathered in this place, and we just ask, Lord, that you bless them for being here. And Lord, we ask that as we break the bread of life, give me the words to say, and Lord, your word will minister to the hearts of those I stand before. And Father, I ask that if there's one here amongst us that doesn't know Christ, they've never been born again, that this would be the day of their salvation before it's eternally too late. I pray for those that, Lord, maybe they've drifted. They're not where they once were in their walk with you. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would convict and convince them to come to the altar, repent and make things right with you. Lord, I pray for the prayer requests that have been spoken and that are unspoken. Lord, I just ask that your will be done with each one. And Lord, again, thank you for the privilege and honor of being able to stand before this congregation and share your holy word. Get me where I fail you. Help me to be a better servant, a better pastor. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. Some might ask, why are you in Romans chapter 11? That deals with the Jew. That has nothing to do with us. Wrong. I want to tell you, we all know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, don't we? For by grace are we saved through faith, not of works, right? 
We know that verse and we claim that verse and that's our favorite verse about grace. But can I tell you, if you'll read chapter 10 and chapter 11 and chapter 12 of Romans, you'll find out that the grace of God is written before our very eyes. It shows us that all of us are saved by grace. Anybody that's not been saved can come and receive grace and salvation just through the simple act of faith. We are saved by God's grace. But listen, it's God that saves by his grace. It's not our works, our own merits. It's not our heritage. And that's what he's trying to teach. Listen, the Apostle Paul literally had a burden for Israel, his kinsmen. He literally wanted them to have what he had. Wouldn't it be nice this morning if the average Baptist was concerned for the lost like he was? It'd be great. But again, it all comes down to God's sovereign grace. You see, God is in control of salvation. He chooses And I'll probably jump back and forth in chapter 11, but I want to begin with 27. For this is my covenant unto them, I will take away their sins. And he's referring to Israel. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. Understand Because Israel rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah whom God sent into the world to die and atone and redeem the world to God, they rejected him. What does John say? He came into his own and his own received him not. They literally, because they refused The door of opportunity for salvation was presented to us Gentiles. Amen. I was listening to a program on the radio the other day after I was taking my uncle to the airport. I don't know why I'd do it to myself, but I'll I'll turn on the radio and I'll hear this preacher or that preacher. This goofy preacher... I don't say he's God's preacher, but he claims he's a preacher. Said that Israel, God was finished with. They were destined for hell. And that there was no way God would ever change their mind, his mind, about redeeming them. And of course, I'm in the truck with my cousin. And my cousin, I love him to death, but he doesn't know a whole lot of the Bible. Okay, that's why I'm trying to get him here so he can learn. But he goes, I always thought God didn't love the Jews. I said, Johnny, they are the apple of his eye. God's never going to stop loving them, and God has a plan. Right now, they're blinded because they rejected God. Jesus. They're blinded. 
But one of these days, their eyes will be opened. And can I just say this and we'll get on into the message? Because they rejected Jesus. Because they turned a deaf ear to the Messiah. Understand, they have paid a pretty good price for their disobedience and rebellion. And let me go ahead and say this, and I won't charge you. When you and I, as lost sinners, rebel and disobey God, when he's calling us to Christ, we are also going to pay a stiff price for that. It's called hell. Amen? Understand. I see Hitler and those like him trying to exterminate the Jews. Uh, The Jews even today are being persecuted. Anti-Semitism is rampant in the world today. There are countries all over that Middle Eastern region that are just waiting To take that land and wipe the Jew off the face of the earth. But listen to me. God is sovereign. God loves the Jew and he's protected the Jew for 1900 years. And he's going to continue to protect the Jew. Because he has a plan and a purpose. Now listen. The fulfillment of that plan will not come until the tribulation. Then the Jews are going to wake up. And they're going to recognize. Oh. It was you. You were the Messiah. You say how will they know? They'll print in his hands. They'll see. And they'll know. But understand this. That little tiny speck of dirt in the Middle East. It's not big. Listen, as big as I am, I could run from one end to the other in a day's journey. North to south. And it'd be half a day if that. And I'm talking about me running across. That's how small it is. But that place was promised God made a covenant with Abraham and his descendants. And listen to me, I don't care about the Syrians. I don't care about the Lebanese. I don't care about the Arabs. I don't care about any of them that are around that place. They can try all they want to, but God's not going to let one hair suffer on the head of an Israeli. Because he's promised to one day redeem them. And if you want to know what grace is, just look at the history of Israel. Now, notice what it says here. It says, As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. Listen, had they not refused the Messiah... Us Gentiles would be in trouble. 
But see, that didn't thwart the plan of God. The old devil has done everything in his power. Keep Christ one from dying on the cross, paying for our sins. He's also tried his best to stop the bloodline. He's done everything there is. But listen to me. Praise God. God is a God that keeps his promises. It says, But as touching the election, they are beloved of the Father's sakes, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet now have obtained mercy through their unbelief. Of course, he's talking to the Gentiles there. Even so have these now also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. Understand, the Lord is still going to save a remnant of the Jews. It's going to take place during the tribulation. Now, look at this. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. I want to just say, you ever read Ephesians chapter 2? Very first three verses tell us exactly who we are and what we deserve. You see, we're dead in sins and in trespasses. We live by the flesh. We've done things of the lust of the flesh. And all of us here deserve God's judgment. And of course, his final judgment will be casting people into hell. Not because he enjoys it. To be quite honest, he won't really be casting. They cast themselves in hell because they refused to receive Christ as their personal Savior. They refused to accept Christ paying the penalty for their sins. And therefore, they have to pay the penalty. But, understand. One of my favorite verses. Turn over there real quick. Don't take my word for it. Let's turn over to Ephesians 2 real quick. I want to show you something then we'll go on. Ephesians. Chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. But hath he quickened and but you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in the time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among also whom we all had our conversation, or in other words, our lifestyles in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Okay, that pretty much tells us who we are what we deserve. But look at verse 4. Look at the two words. But God. You see, we all deserve His judgment. We all deserve hell. I'll go ahead and say it. We all. There's not no one in this sanctuary this morning that doesn't deserve hell. We all deserve hell. But God, who is rich in His mercy, rich in His grace, sent forth his son to atone for our sins. I thank God for the blood of Jesus. 
I thank God for the cross. I thank God for his resurrection. I thank God for the salvation. I have. How about you this morning? Now, go back to our text. Verse 31. Even so have these also not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. Speaking of the Jews. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Radio preacher selling all. God's through with the Jew. He's done. They all are going to hell. There's no way they can be saved. And then what did verse 31 just say? Even so have these also now not believed. Talking about the, G, the Jew that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. Grace, y'all. Salvation is holy by grace, Okay. And then it goes on to say this, talking about our God. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who has been his Counselor, I want to stop right there. You see, lots of folks in the world today like to claim that they know the mind of God. Can I tell you, you're looking at one preacher that's been saved quite a while. I've been in the ministry quite a while. I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know nothing but what the Word of God tells me. That's all I know. I will never know the mind of God. And wouldn't it be nice if us Baptists would stop trying to ask about everything and just start taking God at his word and living by faith? Wouldn't that be nice? See, we always want to question God. Why does God do this? Why does God do that? Listen, it ain't up to you or me to question God. We're not his counselors. We are just his servants. Whom he saved by the blood. But we can't question who he is. We can't say we know what God thinks. Listen, all I know is what I found out through the scriptures about God. And I tell you what, that's just a little bit. But we're never going to know the mind of God. So why do we question? And that's what he's saying here. There's many out there. That, that goofy radio guy. Oh, Jews. They've had it. God's done with them. Listen, how dare you? You're trying to say, you know as much as God knows. No, you don't. I don't. No preacher does. And no child of God does. So stop trying. Just start trusting. We'd be a whole lot better off if we just learned to trust God. That's what I mean by the shape our country's in. You know what? There's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. What we can do, though, is just trust God. Leave it to God. I pray for this country. I pray our country wakes up. I pray our country returns to God. But God is in control. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to lose no sleep. All right. 
For God has concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth and riches both of wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? And look at what Paul says here in this doxology. Or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again. Let me ask you a question. Brother Shiro, is God art indebted to us? He's not, is he, preacher? Are we indebted to him? Listen, God doesn't owe you or me a single thing. But you and I owe him everything. Listen, the breath in my lungs, I owe to God. The money in my pocket, I owe to God. My family, I owe to God. My intellect, which ain't much, but I still owe to God. Y'all don't have to laugh. (laughs) But I still owe everything to God. He's not indebted to me. Now, there's lots of folks that think that, hey, God owes them. (laughs) You better be careful telling God he owes you. Because you just might get more than what you want to bargain for. I don't owe him nothing except love. Amen? That's what I owe him. In fact, that's what he deserves. And believe it or not, that is what he expects. He sent his son to the cross to die in our place and pay the penalty for our sins that we might be forgiven, reconciled to God, able to go to heaven one day. And all he asks in return is that we love him and we serve him. That's a good deal. But he doesn't owe me anything. I owe him everything. You see, understand this morning, and I'm not going to keep you too long, I promise. Understand something. If you read the 11th chapter, God showed favor on Israel. They were given lots of enlightening. They were able to see God manifested in their presence, the forefathers. They were able to go to the temple and the tabernacle. And they were able to go into the Holy of Holies and worship God. God gave them all of that. And then here's us Gentiles, Brother Ron. (laughs) We couldn't go near the tabernacle. Oh, we could set out in the outward court, but I mean, we were never ever going to be allowed to the Holy of Holies. That just wasn't going to happen. But listen to me. This wonderful God of love had a plan even though Christ was rejected by the chosen, the elected ones. 
he made it possible through Christ and his sacrifice on the cross that we as Gentiles now could walk and climb the steps and go straight on into the temple and then the veil of that temple was rent in two and we got to go even further into the holy of holies into the very presence of God through the sacrifice of Christ think about that grace not because we deserved it not because of who we are who our family was but because of his grace unmerited favor toward us again yes God is not indebted to us but we are to him amen and then it said for of for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever amen god should be glorified for everything. Turn to Colossians 1 real quick. Colossians 1. Paul wrote a passage of scripture that I think applies with the glory of God. Look at verse 16. Colossians 1 and verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in, earth, are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Do you understand? He is the center of the universe that he created. Everything consists because of him. But he is in the center of the universe. My question to you this morning is, is he the center of your universe? You see, he deserves all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. But only you can answer that. Do you love him for who he is? Listen. He loved us so much. And as I said before, all he wants us to do is love him back and serve him in obedience. Do you think that's asking a whole lot? Not for what he did for us. If you read the rest of chapter 11, it'll talk about us being grafted in. You see, he's talking about 
Israel as an olive tree. And in scripture you'll find Israel is always mentioned in scripture as an olive tree. And he's talking about since Israel rejected the Messiah, the branch was broken and God took the wild branch of an olive tree and grafted it in. That wild branch of the olive tree, of course, is the Gentiles. And it was grafted in. Uh, how many of you have been raised around a farm? You know, those that have had fruit trees, you graft. Sometimes they don't produce like, the older ones don't produce like they did. So you cut off a younger limb and you graft it on. Why? So it'll bear more fruit. Amen. That's what we're talking about here. That's the picture. That's the symbol. But understand, where does that branch get its power? Where does it get its fruitfulness? Production. It doesn't come from the tree. It comes from the root. Jesus is the root. We're not more powerful as branches than the root. It's the root that has all of the power. And my question in close, are you part of the root? I pray you are. He wants you to be. But listen to me. There's a warning also there in the love. And it's Gentiles, don't get too big for your britches. Don't be bragging how great you are. I want to tell you something. It's the root. The only reason we're able to gain heaven is the root Christ. Christ did it all. We had nothing to do with our salvation. It's through Christ in him alone. So, why are we trying to brag about how good we are? Can I tell you something? The best we would ever do is filthy rags in the eyes of God. The best we could ever do. If we could. I'll go ahead and tell you, you can't. So why try? It's the root. Is he your savior? Are you grafted into that root as a branch? Because that's how we're sustained. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, God has a plan and a purpose. He's not done with Israel and guess what, sinner friend? He's not done with you either. He wants to save you right here and right now if you'll come. Child of God, maybe you've wandered. Maybe your walk isn't what it once was. Listen, he's not done with you either. You just come. and Say, Lord, I know I've kind of walked away and I've left you. But Lord, I want to return. Listen, you pray that prayer. His arms are extended to you. He's not going to push you away and say, nope, I gave you this chance and I gave you that. I'm done with you. No, once you are his, you're his forever. Why? Because he doesn't break a promise. He promised Israel they'd have another opportunity and they will. 
just like if he tells you, if you come to me, I'll in no wise cast you away. You come to him and he saves you. You never have to worry about ever being lost again. So you going to believe God? Are you going to take him at his word? I pray you will. Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you, Lord, for laying it on my heart to present this morning. Lord, I don't know the spiritual condition of those that I stand before, but if there's a need, I pray it'll be met during the invitation. Lord, I pray especially if there's one here under the sound of my voice that's never trusted Christ for salvation, that before the invitation is closed, your spirit will draw them to you before it's too late. Bless the invitation. And again, may you receive all the honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.